The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Want to become best friends with the single most powerful person in the country? Whether she's a Gucci girl, Prada professional, coach queen, or target trendsetter, we'll untie the purse strings and give you the inside track on today's woman. How to capture her attention, grow her loyalty, and create such enthusiasm about your company or product that she spreads the word with her friends and family. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Purse strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan, senior principal at Carmichael Lynch Spa, as she chats with those in the know so your business can grow. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Here's your host, Maria Retan. Good afternoon and welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can catch Purse Strings every Tuesday at 3 o'clock. Each and every week you'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country. The 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending. The woman. Well, first up, an article I read in the Monitor Minute back in July. It was around five signals of change shaping the future of the marketplace. It was called the Futures Five. I'm not going to talk about all five today. There's just about two or three that I want to pick up. I thought it was interesting um, that Monitor Minute showcased J.C. Penney. Now we know J.C. Penney's had its lots of share of issues. They've been trying to change. They've put out some ads. They've lost some CEOs. It's been kind of challenging. But what was really interesting is they announced plans to eliminate the traditional checkout counter at all of its stores in the next two years by 2014. And really, that means you and I, as we go into those stores, will have to do more of the work. And by the way, it won't accept cash. It will only accept credit. And so that'll be interesting. I think many of us have adapted to that at some of our supermarkets, but now we're going to have to adapt to it at JCPenney. And I would imagine that if Penny is successful with this, um, we'll see other retailers do it. But according to Monitor, uh, you know what? You might want to be careful about that. Um, We know that customer service is huge with consumers. There's just a a dearth of it. Um, Customer service just isn't doing well. I mean, I don't know many, many companies that do it well, let's put it that way. So when you're forced to take, you know, self-checkout into your own hands, you miss an opportunity for um, human contact and, and increased customer service. And so the Monitor Minute saying, you know what, you want to strike a balance between conveniences delivered through technology and a personal human touch. And I would totally agree with that. Um, lots of focus these days on marriage or the lack of marriage. And the institution of marriage, as we know, is uh, on the decrease, on the decline, especially as millennials choose not to get married or at least delay marriage until much later in their lives. But conversely, uh, we know that births are up. Um, the number of births outside of marriage up 41% in 2009, um, up from um Excuse me, I'm sorry, 41% of births um, were outside of marriage in 2009. Only 17% of births were outside of marriage just in 1990. And uh, really the takeaway on this is that as a marketer, you cannot um, assume that all moms are the same. Now, we all know that, especially if you listen to this program, you certainly know that. But as you look at marriage, 
Um, you know, you may not always want to marry, no pun intended, marriage and motherhood together, especially <clears throat> single motherhood being on a rapid rate of increase. And not all moms are the same. So definitely want to keep that in mind. And another one of the trends that Monitor is taking a look at is green. Now, we all know that we all want to be green. We all want to be sustainable. Nobody's against that. Everybody's pro-sustainability. But when it comes to paying for it, especially in the last four years, we've been more hesitant to do so because of what's happened with our diminished pocketbooks. But that doesn't mean that we're, you know, the appeal of green has fallen off the radar. According to Monitor, it just really means that when you talk about your services and products that may be highly sustainable and green, you want to make sure that you do so when it comes to consumer benefits. How does that benefit directly to that consumer who are focused more on their world, not the world, according to Monitor? So things to keep in mind. Well, our first profile today is a Nicole Miller networker. She's a woman in her late 40s and 50s, self-employed, may um, run her own small to mid-sized business. She works full-time. She has kids in college. There's more than 1.5 million of these women out there. They're influenced by fashion. They like to stand out in a crowd. Of course, they're ambitious and motivated. They have to be if they have their own business, right? And they live in the moment. They love val val and value quality items, and they're open to trying new things. They are shopping at Williams-Sonoma, Bloomingdale's, um, Herberger's, um, even Ann Taylor. They're driving Cadillacs and Volvos and Lexus. Um, when it comes to what they're reading and watching, um, they're looking at Arc Digest, People Magazine, um, Money Magazine, Better Homes and Gardens, First for Women. Um, they're watching Food Network, HBO, HGTV, and Discovery Channel. And they're online at eBay, Travelocity, iVillage, uh, MSN, and Amazon. Well, my guest today knows a ton about organizations, about companies, about what it takes to get employees to, to exhibit their best work for organizations. Um, Carrie Patterson is the co-founder of Vital Smarts. Of course, it's focused on corporate training and organizational development. He's also an author, and you may have even read some of his books. They've been on the New York Times bestseller list, Change Anything is his latest one, Crucial Conversations, Crucial Confrontations, and Influencer are the others. And he's going to be on the program today talking about how do you jumpstart your career, especially if it's an idol, um, and what are some of the biggest barriers to men and women when it comes to ch change? You may be surprised by his answers. I know I was. More when Purse Strings returns in just a moment. Okay, time for something we can all relate to. Shopping. Purse Strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. 
Brands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Oh yeah, my day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brad Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. WebmasterRadio.fm Welcome to the place your competitors get their edge. Jump on it. We're here for you 24-7. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. Joining me today is Carrie Patterson, co-founder of Vital Smarts, an innovator in corporate training and organizational development. Carrie is a writer, has co-authored numerous articles and also those award-winning training programs. He taught at Brigham Young University's Marriott School of Management and then co-founded Interact Performance Systems, where he worked for 10 years as a VP of Research and Development. As uh, you may already know, he co-authored the New York Times bestseller change anything crucial conversations crucial confrontations and influencer and i'm thrilled to have carrie on the program today thanks for having me i'm thrilled to have you i know it's it's been more than a year since change everything or excuse me change anything hit the bookstore shelves uh talk a little bit if you would about how it's been received i'm sure it was probably just warmly welcomed well you know lots of people have lots of problems they'd like to change and so (laughs) <laughs> they read the title, Change Anything, and they go, hmm, you know, I want something to change. And it, it came out as a New York bestseller, has been holding since, and has been really quite well received. And we get all kinds of letters and emails and phone calls saying how it's helped people change their lives. Oh, and but you must feel good, too, about having put something out there in the world that really is doing very, very positive things for people's life. And I would imagine that when you wrote the book, you probably had an end game in mind. I'm curious, what, what were you hoping people could learn from from the book that you authored? Well, you know, lots of people try to change things such as spending habits or perhaps it could be diet or exercise, things that aren't very easy. And when they fail, they get rather depressed and they begin to sort of get down on themselves. And often they not only cease trying to, let's say, you know, take charge of their finances, they let it run over to other areas of their life and they get up and give up on trying to change it all. And the primary message we wanted to get people was, hey, folks, that doesn't have to be that way. It's not a problem because you're a bad person. It's a problem because you don't have a particularly good strategy. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine that's, that's one of the barriers to change. I'm sure there are others. What are some of the more common ones that you've seen throughout your research? Well, the most, the most, the most common one essentially is people think if they just try harder, they will succeed. 
yeah. they're, reinfor- they're, they're reinforced in that thinking by dozens of books and authors and, and, and sort of gurus that are sort of motivational speakers saying, you know, you can do it. You know, at boot camp, I, I actually I did research at a boot camp where they do training of soldiers coming in, and on the wall it said, can't means won't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meaning, you know, when you say you can't do it, it's just because you don't care enough. If you cared enough, you'd... You know, I, I could say jump hot, you know, and you jump to the moon. You know, and it's just crazy. It's just crazy talk. And motivation isn't the sole source. There's a lot more to behind creating personal change. And people who fall into what we call the the fundamental attribution error, they assume they have a, a motivation problem, therefore bad character, are making the wrong assumption about why they aren't changing. But that's not true. I know it's not true because I've read a lot about you. I haven't read all of your books, and I haven't read this particular one, but I've read a lot about it. And I know that you focus instead on influences, and it's really six sources of influence that can change our behavior. Talk a little bit about those. Yeah, well, first of all, we look at what we call the motivation ability distinction. And so people make the mistake by saying it's all motivation problems, and the other half of the model is, well, perhaps they're plenty motivated, but they just don't know what to do. And so the second domain to consider is just the whole notion of ability. And you'll, you'll see it when working with others. You'll see managers getting mad at someone and yelling at someone who didn't know what to, how to do it and he's sort of trying to build a fire under them when it's useless. And so that's the first, that's the first distinction. The other distinction we look at is that this is a personal issue. Is it personal motivation? I don't enjoy doing it, which is the one we assume all the time is a personal ability, I can't do it. Then we introduce the concept of the influence that other people can have on you. Are other people motivating you to do the right thing? Are they friends or are they accomplices? They're motivating you to just eat that snack or spend that money. You know, are others motivating you to do the right thing? And then are mother, others enabling you? You know, and we've all heard the expression enablers. And that, those two look at the social forces that uh, deal with motivation and ability. And then we add two more that people almost never think of. And that is, what's the physical world around them like? Mm-hmm. Is it enabling them? For example, someone, if someone were to put uh, a bowl of candy three feet from your desk versus 10 feet versus 30 feet, that has a huge impact. You know, uh, uh, if you walk into a casino, did you know, Marie, did you know in a casino, if you walk in there, there are dozens of people who spend thousands of hours figuring out how to structure that place to get you to spend your money and like it? <laughs> I believe it. I believe that, it. It's a trap. It's all a trap. I, I t- yeah, I talked to a designer one time and said, what is the goal of a casino? He said, people think it's to, to get your money. He said, that, that doesn't work. We get your money and you're mad you never come back. We want you to give us your money and feel good about it. And I said, how do you do that? He said, look at the, look at the floor. I said, what about it? He said, this is the ugliest rug you ever saw. I said, well, actually it is. He said, we don't want people looking at the rug. We want them to, to glance away and stare at all the machines where they would spend money. And by the way, they don't spend money because people don't like losing money. We make them buy chips. And by the way, we don't have any windows, so there's no time, and on and on and on and on. They've designed that physical facility. So there you have you know, a really nice example of how people use the physical facility to, get, to change your behavior. I was walking through a store with my six-year-old son, and, and he had just pointed out the day before that in an advertisement, they were trying to get him to, to, to buy something. Hey, they want me to buy that, don't they? And I said, yeah, that's, that's true. We were walking in the market, and he goes, I, w- I want a donut. And I said, hmm. Can you imagine why you want a donut? And he goes, he said, I smell a donut. And he walked around the corner, and there from the baker was a fan blowing out the smell, wafting <laughs> out in, into the store. And so, so there's a lot of things out there, and a lot of people trying to get you to do, in some cases, the wrong thing. At the individual level, you have what you can do and, and what you want to do. 
At the social level, you have others either motivating you or enabling you. And now we're adding the, 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 the final two of the six is how is the physical world structured and is it in your favor or against you? And you need to understand all of those things. Otherwise, you're going to be blind. You won't see them. And outnumbered, you'll lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, I agree. You have to be aware that they're all influencing you and, and probably varying degrees, right, that they have influenced. Yes. And it certainly sounds like... Mm-hmm. Like, too, you're raising a very savvy, savvy consumer there with your son. <laughs> He's, I think influencing him in the future may be somewhat difficult. Um, but I, I am curious because we are a woman about, uh, we are a program about marketing to women. If you see women and men having different influences, or maybe, maybe it's not different influences, but the weight is somewhat different. You know, it's, it's interesting. You can find research that looks at, uh, in fact, I was part of a team that did research when I was at Stanford. We looked at how do you get things done, and we had various methods, including just you know, you know doing it myself versus involving others. And we found that women, um, uh, particularly women who worked in the home, and that's a smaller population than it used to be, tended to rely more on relationships to get things done than men did. But I have to tell you, over the last 20 or 30 years, <clears throat> women, as, as they've moved into the workforce with equal numbers, uh, and held similar jobs, I, I see the differences being more idiosyncratic to the person than they are by gender. Hmm. Interesting. I, yeah. So as we look at women in business, as you said, and maybe they're not advancing at the same rate as their male colleagues, maybe they're not getting paid the same amount. I mean, I mean, this is a, this is a chronic you, question. I will tell you something they're better at. I will tell yeah. you something that they're better at. Um, they're, they're better at interpersonal skills and using people to get things done still to this day. I said earlier, just a second ago, that women tended to use that. We wrote an article called The Case for the Relational Manager. <laughs> it came out in Nord Dynamics a long time ago. And it, we gave it that title because we couldn't say the real title, which is Men Should Be More Like Women. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Because, better. <laughs> yeah, but we weren't sure it would sell with men. Where the notion was women are better at, at sitting down and having you know, high-stakes conversations. And so to the part of change where you've got to get others to help you change, or perhaps you're talking with a spouse who's not enabling you and actually doing the wrong thing, women are better at holding crucial conversations. Well, and I, I'll, tell you something else, I'll tell you something else they're better at. When you look at advancing your career, and there's been lots of people who have studied it in lots of different ways, the three most consistent findings are the following. And this is independent of gender. You have to do three things well. One is know your stuff, and that seems fairly obvious. Know your stuff means if you're a marketing person, you better know marketing. If you're a code writer, you should be able to write code. Um, the second one is do the right stuff, and this is not so intuitive. And this stemmed from research done earlier years ago by Jeff Pfeffer, where he found out that people who were most valued in the company were the people who were helping solve their most pressing problems. He called it the critical uncertainty. What is the thing that we're struggling with as a company? And people who get assigned to projects that help solve the big problems are the most valued. That means you need to sort of not only know your job, but sort of look around and say, this is the department or this is the project or this is the team that's wrestling with the biggest challenge, and I know if I can get on that team and I sort of lobby and and get myself there, I will be seen as a bigger contributor. The third one, and this is, once again, this is where women outshine men routinely, is you need to be seen as a team player. That's the third skill. Have you ever seen the show Hell's Kitchen? 
You know, I try to avoid that man at all costs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't see him as particularly it's, inspirational. It, it, it isn't. And I remember watching it the very. First, I didn't watch it very long because it was so annoying. But I did. I did see something very interesting. And I've, each year I've turned back in to see if it continues. They always plant one cook, who's just not a team player, who's just convinced that the way that they're going to get win is they're going to beat it. Everyone else expands it. Yada yada yada. And at the end, it becomes crystal clear. You can't succeed in an organization by annoying everyone you work with. As a matter of fact, those who are most likely to get promoted are seen by their peers as being someone who's going to help out when they need help. So, you, so the career things that, that you need to do, the three, we call them vital behaviors, the things that lead to the most success, are know your stuff, do your job well, know the right stuff, get assigned to the critical uncertainty, and be seen as a team player. And those are the things that get you there. And women are better at some of that than men are routinely. And the fact that they aren't getting promoted as well is more of an artifact of, of history than it is of reality. And I am curious because I, I agree with you theoretically with all of those things. I think one of the things that might be more challenging among those three things are getting, getting on those teams that are tackling yeah. the right stuff. Because yes. sometimes women are overlooked for those things. So, what do you say to women about how do you how do you catch someone's eye to make sure that you're included in the consideration set when those teams are picked, or even after the fact? Yeah. How do you get- well, yeah. First of all, is the is the concept of being aware that you ought to be doing that, and we've just suggested you should. The second one, as you as you've diagnosed where you think those places are. So, first of all, I need to do it. Second of all, here's the here's the team that's really the movers and shakers, uh, go to your boss and ask directly, for the, tell them that you'd love to serve on that team. Be very clear that it's not going to get in the way of you doing your current job. You can't ask for an assignment to, to participate in a cross-functional team if you're so busy you haven't got a second. That's the case you need to negotiate to get time to do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Most people do have, the, do have some flex time, and they need to assure their boss, you can count on me delivering if it gets in the way. I'll come and talk to you, and I won't let it ever, ever stand in the way of my doing my job, because that's why they don't get, trans- get assigned to those teams. Mm-hmm. People are and, very selfish about their areas. Yeah, yeah, they do. It tends to be siloed, and people like to keep those things to themselves very they, much. Well, so. they, their, their biggest issue with their direct reports being assigned to a team is, well, well, that'll take them away from the projects that I get rewarded for. Mm-hmm. You know, and most organizations aren't particularly adept at rewarding people for collaboration, and they should be because it's the heart of success. And that being the case, you need, you need to sort of talk about the benefits of collaboration, identify how you think you can contribute to that team, explain why it won't interfere with your current job, explain why you would like to do it, mm-hmm. and just be really straightforward. I, I, I've only had that happen in my career with people I've worked with maybe once where someone's come and asked to be on a team, and we were very quick to assign them. Mm-hmm. I am curious, um, you know, I'm sure your book's been read up and down, sideways, over and over again, and I'm sure you probably get people, as you've said, who've reached out and said, thank you so much for writing this book, you've been a huge help for me. I'm curious if you could share a couple of examples specific to women who've taken your advice to heart, gone out, implemented it, and then, you know, perhaps seen their career start inching in the right direction. Well, actually, the example we've just currently been talking about is the one that most recently caught our attention. We got an email from somebody who said, I read your, we, we took the book and we had identified various elements of your life and said, what would you like to change? And one of them was career. And the whole notion of uh, working really hard and doing it well and being a team player, this person had got, but it only came, she only came to realize that she really was in a dead-end area. 
mm-hmm. after reading our books, are saying, gosh, I'm really not in an area that's all that exciting. It's not getting any attention. I don't get any exposure. And um, I, I think she, I, she may have even emailed one of us and asked for some hints, and the hints that I just gave her were given to her where she got direct about asking for it and was persistent, and it changed her career. You know, wow. she, she wrote back later and said, um, I can't believe the difference in being in a team where all the action is. I can tell you from experience, I'm brought in as a consultant more often than not over the last 30 years to help change organizations. And I have to say the projects that we're doing are, like, essential to the organization's success. Anyone who gets assigned to our team, <clears throat> five and ten years later, they're running stuff. They are promoted like crazy. I know that happens. I mean, they're being seen by people who are decision makers, by people who are making the best, assi- the best assignments, and getting into those spots is vital to career success and quick movement. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to talk a little bit when we come back about personal happiness and career, career happiness and how they're intertwined, or maybe yeah. not. More yeah. from Carrie Patterson when Purse Strings returns in just a moment. Okay, time for something we can all relate to, shopping. Purse Strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. How much time do you spend on SEO research and competitor analysis? What if we told you that there was an easier, faster way? Searchmetrics SEO software propels you to top positions on search engines around the world with our unique global search, social, and competitive data in over 60 countries. Gain a competitive advantage today with Searchmetrics.com. That's Searchmetrics.com. Rise links and web indexes. Take a bow to the largest link map in the world. Majestic SEO. Majestic SEO wields its virtual sort with speed and accuracy to deliver detailed reports of your company's link data and that of your competition. Let Majestic SEO make you your own king of Internet marketers and join the crusade of clients and agencies that have chosen the noble choice for link intelligence. MajesticSEO.com Maximize ROI to use your time. WebmasterRadio.fm Keeping you out of rush hour traffic. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. And we're back. I've been chatting today with Kerry Patterson. He's the co-founder of Vital Smarts. It's a corporate training and organization development agency and um, Carrie is the author of some numerous New York Times bestsellers including The Latest Change Anything also Crucial Conversations, Crucial Confrontations and Influencer and we've been talking about what it takes to have success in the workplace and it was a three a kind of a, a three-armed stool if you would or a three-leg stool I think is probably more like it know your stuff, 
um, focus in on the right stuff and be a team player. Being solution um, oriented, big part of that. And Carrie, you've you've also shared a couple of examples of how implementing that really can change careers and get get them moving in the right direction. I am curious though. Career happiness, personal happiness. I mean, we, we're we're holistic people. You know, sometimes we can't we can't just say, "Oh, this over here is our career, and here, this is my personal life." I'm curious how much of those those things are intertwined, and how one aspect of your life might actually create some momentum or decrease momentum in the other part of your life. Can you actually compartmentalize those things? You know, it's interesting. We do our best to compartmentalize. We're so good at it that we can actually separate you know, one belief from another belief in ways that are kind of disturbing sometimes. You'll see there's a whole literature on people who can um, preach collaboration on Sunday and then not collaborate on Monday. And if you talk to them, they find ways of doing it. However, when it comes to compartmentalizing overall sense of pleasure and happiness, we're really bad at it. Have you ever seen a T-shirt that says, when mom's, when mom's unhappy, we're all unhappy? Oh, yeah, I love that one. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, well, I think, I think you can put when mom's unhappy at work, we're all going to be unhappy at home. People mm-hmm. are horrible at separating that. They can't. It's just a big part of their life. They spend more of their waking hours at work. If they're not happy there, they're not going to be happy at home. It, there's consistent findings for that effect. As a matter of fact, I worked in a major corporation where people had 10, 20, and 30-year careers, so... So they're used to having people around for a long time. And when someone announced to their boss that they were going through a divorce, they pulled them off their current assignment and gave them an easier assignment for a full year. Wow. I was stunned. I, I said, how could that possibly be? They said, when they're going through something that horrible at home, the effect that it's having on work is so profound, all of a sudden the performance reviews are going to go down. And, and we know that's going to happen, so we try to avert that by quickly giving them an assignment that they can handle for an entire year. And I saw that maybe a half a dozen times over a 10-year period when I was working with this group. Well, I would say that that company or that organization, though, also must be very good at communication because so often, I think, employees are reticent to even share those personal details. So, I mean, you have to build a certain level of trust, don't you, for that to even happen? Oh, absolutely. As a matter of fact, I remember watching a fellow um, uh, who uh, was actually a plant manager. He had me to his home. that day, his son had stolen our car and driven to Chicago and was pulled over by the... I mean, it was just horrible. Mm-hmm. And the next day at work, I see him and not a word. And I say, gosh, you met with your team, your direct reports, your colleagues. You didn't say anything. And he said, oh, no, we, you'd never say anything like that at work. You just can't. And we talked about that a long time. And I said, you know what? If you, can't, if you can't talk about your whole life at work where you, once again, you spend so much time, who wants to work there? And healthier organizations make it safe for people to talk about those things. And in this particular case I was referring to earlier, they make it safe to say, you know, I might need some slack on assignments for a while. I'm going, th- I'm going through a rough spot at home. And that's the place you want to work. I am curious. Do you see more companies really tackling that and, and instituting programs and, and training, which I know, of course, that's what you do, organizational change. Do you see that there is a bigger appetite on the company side to really, A, understand yeah. that it is a holistic approach with, with staff. It's not, you can't compartmentalize. And to institute the personnel that will help other staff members um, create an environment in which, you know, that's something that can actually be a, a dynamic. It's a real mixed bag right now in the downing economy. We have a company where people are buying 
products of the nature you've just described, teaching people crucial conversations, how do we talk when stakes are high and it's kind of risky. And they spend a lot of money. And then there's other companies who during the downturn are really taking uh, taking no steps whatsoever. In fact, they're taking it out of the height of their employees by laying people off and not replacing them. I have I have two neighbors who work in an organization that has so abused their time and so mistreated them that they have resumes out on the street. And as soon as the economy picks up, it's going to be a big brain drain. I think the mm-hmm. downturn in the economy has put a lot of companies to risk. So as we wrap up today, what would be three things that you might leave listeners with today about, A, what they can do, especially if they are in organizations where, you know, treating staff in a way where they can bring personal life into the corporate setting may not be the case. How, how can they exist in, a, in an environment like that? And then how they might jumpstart their career, especially if it's been lagging in the last few years with the down economy. People who are in unhealthy organizations don't have to sit there and take it. You know, they can do things in their own area to make it healthier. And then I would suggest, and this has happened in some cases, where they start to very carefully look at other places to go work. I mean, what you're going to see happen is, as the economy continues to pick up, you're going to get places that are healthier and healthier. And you want to be in one of those. And you can move to one of those if you need to, if you're qualified. That doesn't mean to be disloyal where you currently are. You need to continually, uh, you know, do the three things I've talked about, which is know your stuff and do the right stuff and be a team player. But it doesn't mean you can't look for healthier places if required. That's right. If you can't if you can't manage to take control of where you are today and make that a better place. Love love your insights, Carrie. Thank you so much for being on today. I do want to direct everybody to vitalsmarts.com. Is that the best place they can reach you? Yeah, I think so. It shows our books and training programs and we'd be glad to help in any way we can. Super Carrie, thank you. Thank you. And thanks to George, my producer, for another great show. And join me right here for another edition of Purse Strings next Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Until then, make it a great one. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.webmasterradio.fm.